We're going to look at John chapter number 8 in the Bible this morning, and it will not be the only place that we turn to this morning, so I trust you'll have your Bible there and ready uh, to be able to turn to the passage of Scripture as uh, we turn through the Bible today. And, uh, but we're going to start there in John chapter number 8. And I wanted kind of to, to, to set the stage for what uh, the Lord has been doing in my heart as I've been preparing the messages in the last several weeks and uh, getting things ready for Sunday morning. Of course, you may remember that in the past few weeks here when we've met together on Sunday morning, uh, we've preached about the, uh, the idea of, of being faithful in the stewardship uh, of what God has entrusted to us. And so we have gone with our theme. Our theme this year for the year of 2023 is always abounding. And the last few uh, Sundays we've talked about always abounding in faithful stewardship. And God wants to be faithful in the stewardship of our time. And we said our testimony and our talents and our treasure that he has given to us. And then last Sunday morning, uh, we took the idea of the fact that those things that God has entrusted us to be wise stewards of are things that are our responsibility. So it is my responsibility to uh, be wise as a steward with what God has entrusted to me. But we said that God gives us the, in, in His way, He has the ability to do things that we cannot do. So he, he, he gives to us responsibilities, but things that are outside of our control and outside of our responsibility, we are relying upon God's ability to do that. Well, we go back to this idea about God giving to us as his people responsibilities. And I wanted to preach a message that, again, God has kind of been stirring in my heart as I've been putting all of these thoughts together. And as he's worked in my heart and been preparing these things for Sunday morning. And I want to preach a message this morning that speaks to our responsibility. The reason why God has given to us responsibilities is because of the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about the freedom that we have in Christ because our responsibility, again, there are some things that are in our control, things that are outside of our control. We rely on God's ability to take care of those things. We talked about it last Sunday. He has the ability to save us and to keep us and to, and to uh, sustain us as we uh, do things, as we serve Him in, in this Christian life to help us to get to the finish line and not to stumble and not to give in to temptation. We talked about that. So there are some things we rely on His ability. But then He gives to us responsibility, and that's all because of the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That freedom that we have in Christ brings about this responsibility that we have. So our responsibility, we would say then, is the result of our freedom that we have in Christ. Our responsibility is connected to that freedom that we have in Christ. We're going to notice in John chapter number 8, and if you would look at verse number 32, we're going to notice where this freedom in Christ comes from. So again, it's the idea of the fact that we've got freedom in Christ, and because of that freedom, there comes responsibility. And so where did we get this freedom in Christ? The Bible talks about that here in, in John chapter number 8 and verse number 32. It says this, it says, And ye shall know the truth... And the truth shall make you free. So the Bible says you're going to, and we're going to come back to this in just a moment, but he says you're going to know the truth, and then as a result of the knowledge of truth that you have, it will make you free. So you'll have freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does the verse say? Again, what we, what we, we want to go by what the verse says. It says, and ye shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. So if the truth is going to make us free then we've got to find out according to the Bible what truth is. 
If truth is going to make me free, then I've got to determine according to God's word what truth is. Now let's stay in John just for a moment, but I want you to turn to John chapter 1 just for a moment. And let's look in the book of John and let's find out what this disciple John in his gospel tells us. uh, uh, how How does he tell us what truth is? Look at what John chapter 1 and verse number 14 says. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now the word there in verse number 14 is Jesus. Jesus was made flesh and he dwelt among us. And it says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now watch this, full of grace and truth. According to John chapter 1 verse number 14, what is truth? Or in this case we would say, who is truth? Jesus is truth, right? It says that Jesus, the word who became flesh, is full of grace and truth. Now would you stay right there in John chapter 1 and would you look down at verse verse 17? So John chapter 1 and verse number 17, it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Moses gave the law, but he says grace came from Jesus, truth came from Jesus. So what have we learned about truth here in John chapter number 1? We've learned that according to the Bible, Jesus is truth. And then if you go a little further in the book of John to a verse that might be familiar to many of us, in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Thomas was asking, how do we know the way to heaven? And Jesus answers Thomas in John 14 verse number 6, and he says these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say he is a way, he said I am the way. Right? Thomas was wanting to know, how can we know the way to get to where you're going? Jesus says, I am the way, but I'm also the truth. So according to the word of God, remember what we said, uh, the, the truth, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You'll have freedom in Christ because of truth. Well, according to the Bible, who is truth? Jesus is truth. But there's something else that the Bible says is true according to God's word about truth. Would you look with me at John chapter 17? Now we're staying in John. Look at John chapter 17 if you would. John chapter 17. And look down once you've located John 17 at verse number 17. Now this is Jesus' high priestly prayer here in John chapter 17. He is with his disciples right before he goes to the cross having a conversation with them and he's trying to comfort them because they're confused about the fact that he's going to go to a cross and he's going to die and he's going to be buried and he's even telling them, I'm going to rise again. They're confused about that and they even say to him, you're going to leave us alone. And he says to them, no, I'm not going to leave you alone because I'm going to give you a comforter. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. So all of this is happening in John chapter 14 until we get to John chapter 17. And when we get to John chapter 17, the Bible tells us that Jesus gives to us a high priestly prayer. And in that prayer, he says some special words. Would you look at John chapter 17 and verse number 17, he says this. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Now notice the last few words here. Thy word is truth. Okay? So according to the Bible, remember what we said in John chapter 8 verse 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will give you freedom in Christ. But according to the Bible, who is truth or what is truth? Well, according to the Bible, we've read in the book of John that Jesus is truth and the Word is truth. So would you go back to John chapter 8 for just a moment? 
We started in John chapter 8. Would you journey back to John chapter 8 for just a moment? And I want you to look down at verse number, verse number 31. So John chapter 8 and verse number 31. Remember what we've already told, what we've already said. You're going to know the truth. The truth's going to set you free. What is truth? Where can it be found? It's in Jesus. It's in the word of God. But now look at John chapter 8 and verse number 31. He says these words. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Now watch this word here. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. So here's what he's saying in John chapter 8 and verse number 31. If you are willing to live in obedience to my word, you are going to be my disciples. Or what, we, what would we say about a, a disciple? We would say a disciple is a follower of Jesus, right? And as a matter of fact, later in scripture in John chapter number 14, he even says to them, my disciples are labeled by their obedience. If they're going to obey me, then that connection with that obedience is the fact that they are one of my disciples. So he says here, if you continue in my word, or if you're willing to live in obedience to my word, you're going to be one of my disciples. Now, what is the result of all of that? So he says in John chapter 8 and verse 23, he says you're going to know the truth. The truth's going to set you free. We learn what the truth was. And then he says if you continue in my words or if you listen and you're willing to obey, you're going to be one of my disciples. And then what's the result of all of that? Look it down at verse 32 if you would. Verse number 32, he says this. And ye shall know the truth, remember, and the truth shall set you free. So we're going to have knowledge of the truth. We're going to know the truth. We're going to have knowledge of the truth. Remember what we said the truth was. That's his word. So God wants us to have knowledge of his word. I think we would agree with that, right? God wants us to know his book. He wants us to know his word. So God wants to give us knowledge of his word, but he also wants to give us knowledge of his son. And as a result of having knowledge of his word, and as a result of having knowledge of his son, the result is this, you'll have freedom in your life. Now what kind of freedom does God want to give us? Well, God wants, us to, wants to give us freedom from the slavery and the bondage and the captivity of sin. He doesn't want us to live as slaves to sin anymore. He wants us to be free from that. As a matter of fact, he talks a little bit about that in verse number 33. He's talking uh, to the disciples and he says to them in verse, I'm sorry, in verse number 34, he said, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. But he's letting them know, I don't want you to be a slave to sin. According to the word of God, we are not to be enslaved to any sin. We're not to give in to being a servant to sin. And so he says, if you'll know my word, and he says, and you'll know of my son, he says, that will set you free, and it'll set you free from the slavery of sin. And then would you look down at verse 36? Because in verse number 36, he says this, if the son therefore shall make you free... Ye shall be free indeed. Now remember the thought, we're free from the slavery and the bondage and the captivity of sin. God says, if you'll know my son, he'll be able, and you know his word, he'll be able to make you free. And then he says, you will be free indeed. So we, here's the, here's the idea. God's telling us we have freedom. If we know Christ as our Savior, we have freedom in Christ because we know his word and we know him, we've believed him. So we have freedom in Christ and we have freedom from the slavery of our sin. Now, connecting what we just said, we have to turn to the book of Romans for just a moment. Romans chapter 6, there are some verses that talk about the difference between being a servant of God and a servant of sin. 
So we can either be a servant of God or we can be a slave or a servant to our sin. And the Bible talks about that in Romans chapter 6. Verse number 14, if you've located Romans chapter 6, if you'd look down at verse number 14, the Bible says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you. What is God trying to say there? He's trying to say because you are saved. Now he's talking to people that are Christians now. People that have put their faith and trust in God. They've got assurance of their salvation. He's saying, I don't want sin to have dominion over you or control over you. I don't want you to live being a slave or a servant to sin. Now notice what he says in verse 14. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Now remember, we live in a day in which we are under, the, we, we are under grace. We would say we are saved by grace. And by the way, when we would even look back to the Old Testament of our Bible and we would talk about the law, we would know the law is just a schoolmaster, right? It's just a teacher to help us to realize that we could not do anything ourselves to earn our way to heaven or to pay our way to heaven, but we had to rely upon God because we couldn't keep all the law, could we? God, Jesus could come down here to earth and he could do it. That's why he could be my sacrifice, but I can't do it. So he says, I don't want sin to have dominion over you anymore. Notice with me, if you would, verse number 16. I'm sorry, verse number 18 in Romans chapter 6. He says this, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Man, this is getting good. Because he says, I don't want you to be a servant to sin anymore. He says, but instead, I want you to be a slave to God. I want you to be a servant to righteousness and right living. Here's the idea. Don't ever look at the word slave or the word servant when it comes to being connected with God as a bad thing. See, we're to be a slave or we're to be a servant of God, and that's a good thing, right? We're to give our lives over to Him and just be willing to serve Him in any way. So He says we're not to be slaves to sin anymore because we've been made free through Christ so that you don't have to give in to being a slave to sin anymore, but I want you to be a slave or a servant to righteousness, a servant to God. Now watch verse number 22, if you would. Verse number 22, he says this, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, he says, everlasting life. So here's what I want to share with you today that God has worked in my heart and encouraged me with in the last few weeks as I've been preparing these messages, putting these messages together with this thought of the responsibility and the faithfulness we have as stewards. And the reason why God has given us those responsibilities is because of the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to give you some Bible truths this morning in the time that we have together finishing this message. I want to give you some Bible truths that we find about freedom. This freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that you'll be encouraged by these and really consider these as we look up some passages of Scripture in the Bible as well. The first thought that I want to give you that we would say is a Bible truth or a Bible principle about freedom this morning is this. Number one, true freedom is found in boundaries. Number one, true freedom is found in boundaries. The idea is this. Yes, we have responsibility, but we have responsibility that God has given to us because of this freedom, but God says with that freedom comes boundaries, comes some guidelines and some principles that I give you from the Word of God that you must apply to your life so that you cannot say, well, God, you've given me freedom, so now I have the ability to do whatever I want to do. Because if we go that route, 
Then we become slaves and servants to sin again, don't we? It's the idea that we could use as an earthly illustration today. It's the idea of a dog that may be outside with a fence around the area where that dog is supposed to stay. That fence is not supposed to restrict freedom. Instead, the fence is supposed to protect, right? Because the owner of that dog knows that if you get outside of that fence, there's potential for you to go into a, a, an area in which you could be in danger. It would apply the same thing to maybe a child that's playing in the backyard. you got a child playing in the backyard and the parents have put a fence around that backyard so that the child does not go outside of that fence. Not so we can say, well, we don't want you to have any fun. We want you to be miserable. No, it's boundaries that are set because true freedom is always found in boundaries. I, I thought of the idea or the illustration of times when my children were growing up and they were much smaller than they are now. And I remember times when I would sometimes, my wife and I would sometimes maybe put them on our bed. And uh, they were kind of getting to the place where they were starting to move or maybe crawling around a little bit and they'd kind of roll. And then they'd get up. And they'd start to crawl. And if you would see them going towards the edge of the bed, what would you do? As parents, you'd say, oh, wait a minute now. We're going to grab a hold of you. We're going to put you back in the center again. And then they might uh, roll around again. And they might start to crawl again. And they're going to the edge. And you're noticing it. And you're saying, all right, now I'm going to try to protect you. And so I'm going to get you again, kind of put you to the center of the bed again. Not because we want to say, well, we don't want you to have any fun but because it's the idea of protection and the idea of boundaries. And it's the same that is true about our God. He gives boundaries to us with this freedom that he has given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to live in those boundaries, don't we? Would you look at a few Bible verses with me? Would you look at Galatians for a moment? Galatians chapter number 5. And notice what the Bible says in verse number 13. Galatians chapter 5 and notice verse number 13, if you would. We're going to turn to a few verses of Scripture that talk to us about these boundaries that God has given to us with this freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13, he says this. For brethren, he says, ye have not been called unto liberty. Or excuse me, I'm sorry. Ye have been called unto liberty. Now liberty would be another word we would use for freedom, right? We have freedom. We have liberty in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says to the child of God, you are called unto liberty. Meaning you have liberty. You have freedom in Jesus Christ. Now watch what he says. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. What is he saying? He's saying don't use the liberty or the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ to take advantage of God's grace and say, well, I can do according to my flesh whatever I want to do. I don't have any boundaries set up because God has given me this freedom in Christ. I'm no longer a slave to sin, and so now I can do what I want to do. No, that would be taking advantage of the grace of God, right? And again, we would become servants to sin again. And so he says, don't use it as an occasion to give into the flesh. By the way, if you go a little bit further in this passage of Scripture, look with me if you would at verse 16. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It goes back to the thought we just read in verse number 13, because he was talking about our flesh, right? He says, don't use your liberty as an occasion to give into your flesh. 
He says, walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you won't give in to the flesh. But then notice what he says in verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Have you ever found this to be true in your life, the battle that's going on? you got the flesh, and you got the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit wants you to do that which is right. He wants you to be a servant or a slave to righteousness and to God. But the old flesh wants us still to be a servant to sin. And so God says, oh, God forbid that we would ever get to a place where we would say, I've been given freedom, I've been given liberty, and so now I can allow my flesh to do whatever it wants to do. God is saying no to that. He's saying, I've given you limits that accompany your freedom, some boundaries that God has given to you. Now, now notice some things about boundaries. We think about boundaries. By the way, go back to the illustration I used about the dog or the child that might be in the fence or the child that might be crawling up on the bed and you don't want them to get hurt or maybe the child that's about ready to touch the stove that's hot and you would remove their hand from touching that stove or maybe that electrical outlet, not because you don't want them to have any fun, because you don't want them to get hurt, right? So some boundaries are set up in our lives for protection. I think we would understand that. We would say, God's given me some freedom, but with that freedom comes some boundaries because God wants to protect me. Now, there are some things that God gives us very clearly in Scripture that he tells us we're to stay away from, and the reason why we're to stay away from it is because it will protect our health. He's saying, hey, there's some things that you should not have as a part of your life as a Christian because if you would give in to that and you would become a servant or a slave to that and you'd give in to your flesh, it, it would harm your health. So God's saying, I'm, I'm trying to protect your health. And then some boundaries that God gives us, it's all about protecting our families. Can you imagine how that God, as God lays out the guidelines that he has for a husband and a father at home, how that if a husband or a father at home does not follow those guidelines, how it can be de detrimental to his family? I think we could understand that. Or a mother and a wife, if she doesn't say, I'm going to listen to the principles in God's word about what I should be as a mother and a wife, that it can, be, it can cause damage to my home, my family. If a child does not, a young person in a home, does not follow the principles and the guidelines from God's word, can you imagine the damage that it would cause in their homes? So God's saying, I'm asking children to obey. I'm asking husbands to love their wives. I'm asking wives to give reverence to their husband and submit to their husband. Because God says when all those things are connected the right way and you're following the principles from my word, I'm not giving you those boundaries so you're miserable. I'm not giving you those boundaries to keep you away from fun, but instead I'm trying to protect you and I'm trying to protect your, your families and your health. And then how about this? God wants to protect our relationships, doesn't he? And so there's a reason why God says we're not to commit adultery, right? He says that because he realizes we're, he, I'm trying to protect relationships here. I'm trying to protect the relationships of husbands and wives. And I'm trying to make sure that the principles that, I, that we see in the word of God are connected to the fact that God's given some boundaries so that he can protect our relationships. By the way, he's trying to protect our relationships with one another, but he's also trying to protect our relationship with God, isn't he? So that our relationship with God would be what it should be. So God gives some boundaries for protection, but he gives other boundaries so that he can build character in our lives. I think we would have to acknowledge that today. When we read through the Bible and we see the guidelines that God gives us in his word and the principles and the things that we ought to uh, have as a part of our life, we would say, God, you're trying to protect me, but God, you're also trying to build my character. 
You want me to do certain things and you want me to stay away from certain things and not do certain things so that my character is built so that I can be more like Jesus and I can be the light and the salt that I need to be to point others to Christ. So yes, God has given us freedom in Christ, freedom from the slavery of sin, but he's given us boundaries to protect us. He's given us boundaries to build character. And by the way, he also gives boundaries to show his love, doesn't he? Just like a parent would say, I'm going to put the child in the fenced-in area so that they don't go outside into the street. We have a rule at our house. When our girls want to ride their bikes in the driveway, they go to a certain spot. If they would go past that, they would be in the road with their bike. And so we're telling them, we want you to be miserable. We want you to have no fun at all, so there's a certain spot at the driveway where you have to stop. No, it's because we love them enough to say you might get hit by a vehicle that passes at the end of the driveway when you don't see them coming or maybe they don't see you coming. We're trying to show our love, aren't we? And that's what God does. He's trying to show love for his children by setting boundaries. Yes, he's given us freedom, but with those, we have boundaries that he's given to us. So freedom is found in boundaries. Would you look at another verse with me real quick? 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 11. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11, the Bible says this. 1 Peter 2 and verse number 11. He says, dearly beloved, he says, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. He says, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. So what is he telling us? Again, it's similar to what he already told us in Galatians chapter number 5. We just read Galatians chapter 5, we read verse 13, then we went down and read verse 16, verse number 17. We talked about how that he said that you are given liberty, you're given freedom, but don't use it as an occasion to give in to your flesh. He says the same thought here in verse number 11. He says that you're to abstain from fleshly lust because they're going to war against the soul. Would you look at verse number 12? So he's telling us now, yes, you have freedom in Christ, but that doesn't mean you should have liberty to do whatever your flesh wants you to do. Look at verse number 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they have, which they have, uh, which they shall, excuse me, behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. What is he saying? He's saying that others that are around you may look at you, they may even try to speak evil against you. But just by acknowledging and noticing your testimony, they can't speak evil against you, but instead they notice the life that you are living of character for the cause of Christ because, again, you haven't given in to that fleshly lust. Would you look down, if you would, in that same chapter to verse number 16? He said, as free, okay, again, the idea there, the first two words of verse number 16, he's saying we have freedom in Christ. So as you are free, or as you have this freedom, as you have this liberty, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. So he's saying, don't use this liberty or this freedom that I have given you for, the, for, for evil intentions, and again, give in to your flesh. But instead, remember back to what we already said, he desires that we be servants of God, right? Servants or slaves of God and slaves of righteousness as well. 
So the idea of what we read in Galatians chapter 5 and then in 1 Peter chapter 2 is he's saying because you are free, because you have been given liberty, I've also set up some boundaries. And those boundaries for a child of God now, for a Christian, is that you are not to indulge in the desires of your flesh. I say it so often, but it's so true that it bears repeating. When you got saved, your flesh didn't. And we still have that old flesh, don't we? We still have that sinful old man, that old nature. And that flesh wants to get us to do things that God doesn't want us to do. And God is not saying, I don't want you to give in to your flesh because I don't want you to have any fun. Or I want you to be miserable. No, because I want to protect you as a child of God. So he's saying, don't use the freedom that I have given to you as a cover for evil. To just go do whatever you want to do. We've been given freedom, but God says with that freedom comes boundaries. Would you look with me real quick at two more passages of Scripture, and we'll put all this together this morning. Would you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 for a moment? 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, I love when Paul gives to us, and I think that the reason I love this is because it's an interest of mine. Paul gives an, a, a, an illustration of an athlete here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. I've always enjoyed sports, I've always enjoyed competition, and so I enjoy seeing the way that Paul gives illustration of an athlete to what we ought to be as a Christian. And so he's saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 that if you're, going to get, if you're going to be entered into a race, you need to try to give it everything you've got. And you need to try to get to the finish line and you need to try to win that race. And he said that when you're running this race, only one person's going to win. And they're running for a, a crown or a prize that is corruptible. But then he uses the illustration of ourselves as Christians. And he's saying, when you get in the Christian race, you're to run with everything you've got. And you're to run it so that you can win it. So you can get to the finish line. But the good news about the Christian race is it's a whole lot different than a race here on earth because there is only one winner. But in the Christian race, every one of us can win. Every one of us can get to the finish line because we're not running against each other. God just wants you to run the course that he has set for you. And you can get to the finish line and you can win that race. And then he says, this is all for a crown that is incorruptible, a crown that fades not away. But Paul, when he's using the illustration of the athlete and the runner here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, he's saying that God has designed for us to run this race in a particular way. Would you look with me, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 25? This is the end of the chapter here now. Look, he says in verse number 25, and he says, And every man that striveth for the mastery, those words that Paul uses there in verse number 25, is nothing more than him just saying, a person who is seeking to win. Now, I don't know about you, I, I get pretty competitive, so I do seek to win. And I don't like this idea of not keeping score. Man, I like keeping score, all right? And I want to be able to say at the end, we know what the score is, we know who won, right? And he's saying, hey, you need to seek to win. And notice what he says in verse number 25. He said, that person that's seeking to excel or seeking to win, they are temperate in all things. The idea there is that they have, they have the ability to have self-control. And notice what he says at the end of the verse. He says, and they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Now go on to verse number 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, 
So fight I not as one that beateth the air. The illustration there in verse number 26 would be what we would illustrate as like a shadow boxer. A shadow boxer is just kind of punching at the shadow. It's kind of empty, empty uh, punches. And he's saying, that's not the way I'm running it. He says, I'm running it with full self-control so that I can uh, get my body to a place where I can finish and win this race. And then notice what he says in verse number 27. He says, but I keep under my body. It's the idea there, I keep my body under control. Then notice he says this, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. It's the idea of saying that I would be put on a shelf or I would be not, I would, God would not be able to use me anymore. I would be disqualified. Why? Because I've broken the rules. I haven't done what God wanted me to do. And so the principle is this. Yes, God has given to us freedom. But with that freedom comes boundaries. We still have to keep the rules, don't we? If we're going to be qualified in this Christian race, we say, I have to keep the rules. Because freedom comes with the expectation that I am going to exercise self-control and I'm going to keep the rules or keep the boundaries that God has set for me. One more passage of scripture I want to take you to, and then again, we'll put all of this together. I want you to look at Romans chapter 13. Every one of these passages of scripture that we're going to this morning, I trust for you, has been able to establish in your heart, in your mind, the fact that God says, yes, there is freedom, freedom in Christ, freedom from the slavery of sin, but yet at the same time, I have set up some boundaries in your life that are connected with this freedom that I have given to you. And remember, one of those boundaries is we're not to use our salvation or our freedom to give in to and have liberty to give in to the flesh. He's saying, stay away from what the flesh wants you to do. And then the second illustration we gave you was the fact that our body has to be in enough self-control to keep the rules that God has given to us. And by the way, we'll pause for a moment and say, where do we find those rules? We find them right here, don't we? We've got a book that gives us the rules for life. We would say as a definition, what would we say the Bible is to us as Christians? It is the source that we go to for all of our faith and all of our practice. So what I believe and the way God wants me to live. And I find it all right here. This is the rule book. I don't want to break the rules. I want to make sure I'm self-controlled. But then he goes on in Romans chapter 13 to say this. And you might say, well, this seems like a totally different passage than what we have been dealing with there in Galatians and in 1 Peter and 1 Corinthians. But stay with me here because I'm going to try to put all this together. Here's the idea when we read Romans, Romans chapter 13 here. Is that God understands when he has given us freedoms, he understands that we cannot function without boundaries. We cannot function without boundaries. The illustration I'd like to close with is the passage of scripture he gives us here in Romans chapter number 13 where he is saying to us, in Romans chapter 13, it's God's principles and God's word saying to us, you cannot live without boundaries. You cannot live without laws. Can you imagine if we would say as Americans, we have freedom, so we have enough freedom to get in our vehicle this morning and to go out onto the road and drive whatever speed limit we want to drive. We have freedom. So because of that freedom, 
I don't want any boundaries. I don't want any laws. I don't want to live by that. So I want to go out onto the road and I want to be able to drive without a seatbelt on. I want to be able to drive at whatever mile per hour that I enjoy driving. And I want it to be set up that way. I've got freedoms. I don't have any boundaries. I don't have any laws that I have to answer to. God knows that we can't live that way. By the way, they try to do that in Cambodia, though. I just want to let you know. They try to do that in Cambodia. The driving was chaotic, all right? And I had an evangelist that was there with me. He said, I've traveled all over the world. And he said, this is one of the worst places I have ever experienced traffic and the way people drive. So they try to do it in Cambodia, but... We can't do it. We can't live that way, can we? There's got to be boundaries. There's got to be laws. And he tells us here in Romans. We'll finish with this. Romans chapter 13, would you look at verse number one? He said, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. See, you can have freedom all you want, but you're still going to have boundaries, aren't you? You're still going to have laws. And if you go out here in our country and you try to break the laws, guess what? You're going to be in trouble, aren't you? And so God's yes, as Americans, we have freedoms and we have people that fought for our freedoms. Praise God for that. Praise God for the fact that we could come into a church today and we can know we have a freedom to open the Bible because people have sacrificed so that we can have the freedoms that we have in a nation. But God says, wait a minute, though. You still have to live by boundaries. You still have to live by laws. And, and you'll never get away from that. So he says, you've got to be subject unto the higher powers. I, I noticed this. We've got to be careful with this. He says, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You say, wait a minute, what if the power, what if the person that's in power or in control doesn't believe the same way I do? God says we are still to obey those who are in power over us because he said he is the one that ordained those powers. God is in control. The way that we would say that to justify what God's word says about it is unless they would ask us to break one of God's laws, we are to obey those that are in authority of us. We wouldn't say, well, just because the authority doesn't believe everything I believe, then I can go out on the road and I can drive down alternate 40 here at 80 miles an hour even when I get to the curve down here. And I can just do whatever I want to do because they, after all, I don't believe every way I believe and I, I, don't, uh, I don't stand by everything they stand by. That's not what God's saying at all, is he? He's saying we're to be subject to the higher powers, meaning there's freedom. There's freedom in Christ. There's freedom from slavery of sin. But yet he said there's still boundaries. There's still laws. There's still rules. Now let's notice just a few more verses and we'll finish. Verse number two, he says, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. So here's what he's saying. Every time, by the way, this is true every time. If you resist an authority that God has put in your life, you're ultimately resisting God. We, say it all, we would say it all the time to children, wouldn't we? We'd say, if God tells you to obey your parents, if you're disobeying your parents, then you are disobeying God. Because God told you to do it. So it's not just mom and dad you're disobeying. You're disobeying Almighty God, aren't you? Because he told you to do it. And that's what God says. There's freedoms, but there's boundaries. There's laws that we got to live by. And if not, we're disobeying God. And notice what he says. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, two more verses and we'll finish. Verse number three. He says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same. He's basically saying this in verse number three. If you're doing okay, why should you have to be worried about the power or the authority that's around you? If you're doing that which is right, they're not trying to get the person that's doing right. They're trying to correct the person that's doing wrong, right? I remember, uh, I remember just a few weeks ago being in the airport there, and I had a lady got in front of me, and man, I tell you, she was upset that the, that the security was, was wanting to wand her. 
Man, she was upset about that. And I thought, here, lady, they're protecting you. They're trying to make sure that you don't get that you that you or anyone else gets on a plane with something that can cause danger or damage to somebody else. They're trying to protect you. And then the thought went in my mind this. If you're not trying to do anything wrong, why would you be upset about it? If you're not trying to get away with something, why would you be? And that's what he's saying. If you're not trying to get away with something, you're doing that which is right. We wouldn't be upset about these higher powers. Instead, we'd say, I'm glad there's boundaries, right? I'm glad God set up some laws. I'm thankful for the freedom he's given me, but I'm also thankful for the boundaries he set up. And then verse number four says this, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. He's saying this, that the authority that's over us is God's minister to get things done the right way so that laws can be, ta- uh, can be uh, uh, established and then laws can be followed, laws can be obeyed. And notice what he says in verse number four, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. Yeah, if you're doing what's wrong, you ought to be afraid, right? Because that which God has put as an overseer of the law, is, is go, there's going to be punishment. And he even goes on to say this, For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Meaning he is God's instrument on earth here to establish what the boundaries are, establish what the laws are, and then to enforce them, and then to punish those who do not follow those boundaries and those laws and those rules. So the idea this morning is this. Yes, we are relying upon God's ability to do things that we cannot do. God has given to us responsibility, and the only reason he's given us responsibility is because of the freedom that we have in Christ. See, freedom brings to us that responsibility. And just because we have freedom in Christ doesn't mean there's not still boundaries. And so today, the idea is this. Number one, let's thank God for these boundaries he's given us. Let's thank God that he loves us that much. Let's thank God that he wants to protect us that much. Let's thank God that he wants to build our character that much where he says, I'm going to give you some freedom, I'm going to give you some liberty, but with that is going to be some boundaries and some laws and some rules that you've got to follow. Not because I'm trying to keep you from what you want to do or, or fun in your life or enjoyment or make your life miserable, like again, sometimes young people might accuse us of, but because I want to protect you. Because I love you. I want you to build your character to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the idea this morning is this. After we've thanked God for this freedom and these boundaries that he's given us, may we get to a place where we would say, I'll never use, I want to ask God's help for me to never use my flesh and the desires of the flesh and the old man and the old nature for an occasion to give liberty to do whatever I want to do. But that I would say, God, you've given me your grace, you've given me your love, you've given me your mercy, you've given me forgiveness. And I'm thankful for that freedom you've given me. But Lord, help me to stay in your boundaries. Help me to make sure I'm not giving in to my flesh and doing whatever my flesh desires. Now, right before we close today, there might be somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it's hard for you to understand this freedom that we have in Christ because you've never been saved. You've never never received that liberty and that freedom that he wants you to have. You've got to get to a place, number one, where you acknowledge your sin and you realize that there's a punishment and a payment for your sin. But the good news is because you couldn't pay the price for your sin, God loved you enough to send his son because he could pay the price for your sin. And he died on the cross and he was buried and he rose again. And you've got to believe that by faith. And then he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's just the idea of calling out to God and saying, God, I'm telling you I'm a sinner. I'm telling you I acknowledge the fact that my sin 
comes with a punishment. I can't pay for my own sin. I can't do anything to earn my way to heaven or pay my way to heaven. But God, you paid the price and you loved me and you died for me and you were buried and you rose again. And I'm going to ask you to be my Savior. Maybe there's somebody that's never done that today and you don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven. You don't understand this liberty and this freedom we're talking about. I hope you'll come to know Christ. And then if you do know Christ, let's thank God for this freedom. Let's thank God for these boundaries that He's given to us. And let's live in such a way where our flat will we'll not give in to our flesh. We'll not let it be uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the occasion of the liberty that we have to just say, I want to do whatever I want to do. But we'd stay in the guidelines and the boundaries and the rules and the laws that God has set for us. Now, God's given me several thoughts about this, so we're not finished with this yet. We're going to, in weeks to come, we're going to kind of continue this thought about the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope some of those Bible principles that God has laid for us will be an encouragement to us even in weeks to come. Father, I thank you so much for the thought from the Scripture today.